Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. This episode is sponsored by Health IQ. Uh, what's Health IQ? Health IQ is a life insurance agency, but, but with a very modern and cool twist, Health IQ is making life insurance fair by unlocking the value of health consciousness for the 50 million Americans who take responsibility for their health. This is especially relevant for me because as a type 1 diabetic, I've been denied life insurance coverage by other providers. Even though my A1Cs are in range, I eat Whole30 and can still kill guys 10 years younger than me on the basketball court, which is super frustrating. Health IQ can give people exclusive rates through their Health IQ quiz, and they even take into account data points from things like Fitbits and other trackers. You can learn more about Health IQ and get a free quote at healthiq.com DDT. That's D-D-T, short for Diabetics Doing Things. And if you're like, Rob, I am not really in a place where I'm thinking about life insurance, I'll tell you this. When it comes to retirement and planning for when you're not around, there's no time like the present to at least learn what you qualify for. So give it a shot. Go to healthiq.com DDT and get a free quote today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. My very special guest today uh, on this lovely summer afternoon uh, is Jake Kaufman. Jake, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Uh, and it's a, it's my pleasure to have you, my man. I think uh, you and I have chatted uh, back and forth uh, a few times uh, this summer and a little bit earlier in the year as well. Um, yeah. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background on you, um, because you are the founder of T1DLikeMe.com, um, and then uh, just kind of give us the uh, the intro to your uh, diagnosis story. All right. So uh, I'm Jake Kaufman. I'm from Geneva, Illinois. It's about an hour west of Chicago. I'm a 21-year-old college student. I will be attending uh, North Central College in Naperville, Illinois. I run the website and uh page T1D Like Me. We are on Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, the goal of the page is to share stories of success and community from T1Ds like myself and yourself to inspire and empower other diabetics. We, we currently have over 30 stories and are looking to get more. I am also an assistant cross-country coach at my old high school, and I, will, I volunteer at JDRF Illinois whenever they need extra help. I am also a huge sports fan, so. Oh yeah, uh, who are your uh, who are your sports teams? So uh, I like all the Chicago teams. I like the Bears, Cubs, Bulls, Blackhawks. Uh, I've been a Duke Blue Devils basketball fan since I was three years old, and yeah, so. I love it. Well, you you've been been kind of a big year for you guys in Chicago sports, right? Your Cubbies uh, got their first uh, World Series win in forever. Yeah, that was insane. Like. I mean, I remember that night so vividly. It was like, I they won the World Series probably at like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't go to bed till three or four because I was just in shock. Uh, like I just was like, I can't go to bed. I'm too excited. And then I had an eight a.m. class the next morning that I just decided no one's gonna be there anyway. So you know, didn't go to that. But it was just crazy. I mean, 
city lit up for it and uh yeah it's been crazy and they're the only really good team in chicago sports right now them and the hawks so right i think we'll uh we'll definitely have to talk a little bit more about some chicago sports later in the show because uh he keeps coming up on my just in interviews i keep kind of talking shit about him as jay cutler so we got to yeah. talk about our t1d brother jay cutler for a little bit yeah uh before we do that let's uh let's talk about you and how you came to join the t1d family <laughs> So I was diagnosed actually on Halloween 2015. I was um, actually at Eastern Illinois University, about three and a half hours away from where I am now. Uh, so the night before, I was actually coming home from Eastern to watch my old cross country team uh, run in the sectional meet. It looked like they were going to maybe make it down to state, so we wanted to see it. Uh, so the train actually on the way up hit a car that decided to go oh. under around the um around the gate that was closed so oh no, it was just, oh, no. <laughs> yeah but of course you know i wasn't diagnosed yet i was still undiagnosed t1d so i you know a three and a half hour train ride turned into a six hour train ride and i think i went to the bathroom about man i lost count after like 20 it was bad but um you know i was coming home and then i think i got home eventually at one o'clock in the morning uh, next morning, my friend picked me up for the meet at like seven. So I didn't get any sleep that night either because I was going to the bathroom all night. And um, yeah, friend picked me up. We went out to breakfast at Dunkin' Donuts, and then I uh, went to the meet. And I again was going to the bathroom tons of times and uh, went to the meet. They unfortunately didn't make the state. Went home, and um, you know my dad. I've, I had had the symptoms for a while. I was drinking a lot, peeing a lot, always tired, you know, the old classic symptoms. So we went to the doctor and um, they checked my blood sugar and my uh, sugar didn't even read on the meter. Right? So it was over at least over 600. And I'll never forget this moment. The doctor takes me and he goes, you guys, you know, you should go to the hospital. Do you want an ambulance or anything? And my dad's like, no, because the hospital wasn't that far away. And I'd lived at 600 for so long and, you know, lived at a high blood sugar for so long. So he's like, okay, well, if you're, go if you're just driving to the hospital, go stop and go stop, get something to eat real quick because I don't think you're going to be eating the rest of the night. And he was right. I had a fasting blood sugar. I had to do a fasting blood sugar the rest of the night. So doctor was kind of on my side with that one. Um, and then, you know, that night I was in the ICU and they did all the – uh, you know, checking stuff. I had an IV. I had potassium. They did all the tests, stuff like that. Um, I'll never forget, though, when I went to the hospital within maybe two minutes of me being there, I had like three dot three nurses on me, you know, pick, pricking me with stuff. And uh, so I knew something was up. And uh, yeah, and honestly, my first reaction was uh, <laughs> I was really hungry the next morning because I fasted. <laughs> And she told me, as soon as my endo told me, she, I was like, okay, well, can I have breakfast now? Because I'm really hungry. <laughs> so I got that. And, um, you know, I think, honestly, I was more relieved than anything because I had been feeling so bad for so long. And my, I had a 17A1C. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it had been a few months. At least, yeah. So they were like, yeah. So, I mean, I was relieved and... Um, I was kind of just ready to take it on, and yeah. That's funny that that was your reaction. I think, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, glad something's wrong with me. 
can I get some food? Because <laughs> I've been this is inconvenient, right? I, yeah. I I remember having like a similar reaction because I was in denial for you know, for a little bit, like on the car ride over. I was diagnosed technically at a Emergicare, and then I drove to Children's Hospital uh, here in mm-hmm. Dallas. It was about twenty minutes away from where I lived. Yeah. So pretty traumatic car ride, like really upset. Get to the hospital, they get me back, and then I get back there and they give me like some saline to give me some hi- to get me hydrated, uh, and yeah. then some insulin. And I just remember feeling so much better right after. Exactly, that. I felt the same way after I, you know, started like I, you know, peed everything out. But yeah, I felt so much better after I got all that insulin in me. Yeah, yeah. and I think like you know you're you mentioned being an athlete. Like I think y- you know w- when you're an athlete, you're more in touch with maybe how your body feels and like your performance. Yeah. And I think just just like the hydration piece was so like I didn't even realize how dehydrated I was and because I had been drinking so much water all the time. And mm-hmm. I think I drank my body just like soaked up two big bags of like IV fluid in about 15 minutes. And like I remember people commenting on it at the hospital like, "Oh my goodness, you're drinking this so fast." Yeah. But um, but uh, you know back to back to that point of just like knowing like when you feel good you know you know that you feel good. I just remember after getting all that insulin, I felt so great and I was very relieved. I was like, wow, this really must have been what was wrong with me. Yeah. And another reaction I had, and it wasn't the immediate reaction. It was when I got diagnosed type one diabetes. I was unfortunately like the rest of America and the rest of the world really is. I didn't know there was a difference between type one and type two diabetes. I'm like wait, how does the skinny, you know, I'm skinny, I lost weight, how did I get diabetes, you know, like, I, I was a runner in high school, you right. know, and then, you know, my doctor, you know, she told me, like, listen, do anything to deserve it, it's just, just kind of happened, and, uh, yeah, but I was, like, more like, you know, because I didn't know any better, I was like, well, how the hell did I get diabetes, I'm one, I was, like, 115 at the time, and I'm a, I'm a pretty skinny guy, and I was like, this doesn't make sense to me, but, um, yeah. So, well, and I think uh, like the, the thing about that too, like, is it used to make me upset. Um, but I was in the same position as you, even though my mom was a nutritionist and owned a curves for, uh, for many years, uh, like a women's workout place. And, uh, like, so she interacted with type two diabetics all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and so she, you know, treated them, you know, knew about blood sugars and A1Cs and things like that. But, you know, there's no awareness. Unless there's something, like, close to you or you have a friend or a family member immediately affected by it, the awareness level of the difference between type 1 and 2 just sort of there is none, right? Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes it's easy to forget, like, what we were like before we were diagnosed because, you know, there was no – there's no need for us to know. And it's exactly – that's what my mom always tells me because my grandpa, he has a lot of – you know, he has a lot of friends that are type 2 diabetic. And I don't think he really understands the difference because, you know, he's old and, you know, he's like, well, my friend doesn't even need to take, you know, insulin out of shots and, you know, pumps and stuff like that. They take like pills or something. And it's like, um, you know, why aren't you doing that? And, I, you know, I try to explain to him. He's like, well, you know, I mean, and my mom just tries to explain. He's like, you just got to remember how you were right before. You know, if you heard the first, you know, first word was diabetes, you would think of first thing you think of is you know, a fat old guy, basically. So it's just, the, I think it's just the way the media portrays it and just how society kind of looks at the word diabetes. And that's immediately what you think of. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, there's so many different um, 
premeditated. Uh, pre I guess I'm trying to. Uh, the the word is escaping me right now. It's been a long day. Um, yeah. But the there's so many things that people think of like diabetes as a as a stereotype you know they're like oh well you must be this you must not exercise you must take a pill my grandma takes a pill whatever but you yeah. know really who's to blame are these doctors that name the disease the same thing back and <laughs> they just took the easy way out we're like oh well it's kind of yeah. similar let's just uh let's just name it diabetes mellitus or whatever Mel uh, yeah and so some thing right you say i'm sorry we didn't get that you cut out for a second it's it's some Latin name, right? Like Melitus yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like you know. Uh, so of course, the uh, us plebeians, we just are like, oh yeah, type one or juvenile diabetes, or did you were you born with it? Is that the one you were born with? Um, yeah. But yeah, that level of is awareness the isn't one? there. Yeah, That's is my that the... favorite one? Is that the bad one? I'm like, well, is there a good one? <laughs> right. Would you would you choose one over the other, even if you had a choice? Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, I, I also want to talk about. Um, Going, you're going to the bathroom story because I was laughing when you uh, when you said you were on a train for like six and a half hours and lost track of count, uh, lost track <laughs> of how many times you went to the restroom at 20. Mm -hmm. um, I had a similar experience the week before I was diagnosed, like before, before I went to the hospital. A friend and I went to go see The Aviator, which is like a two-hour, okay. like 45-minute movie. Um, and I got to see about 30 minutes of it because I was back and forth to the restroom so much. And I just remember, I was like, God, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I like not stop going to the restroom? And I was drinking like a Coke. So like a big, like movie Coke. So I was just mm -hmm. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth so much that I just like hated the movie. <laughs> I like, I talked trash about that movie for like years afterwards about how bad it was. And it turns out it wasn't that bad. It was just, I had a terrible experience. Yeah, it was it was funny because my parents had came for family weekend a couple weekends before, and I think I made us may have seen two quarters of the football game because I was you know drinking you know iced tea or coke or whatever going to the bathroom. It was like a, it was just a cycle like constant, and I also felt bad for my my freshman year roommate because he told me he eventually got used to me going to the bathroom like five times a night because I just would get up and you know. Yeah, and yeah. it sort of just becomes routine at that point. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to class. Well, I probably have to go to the bathroom because I always have to go to the bathroom. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just like it becomes a thing you do. It's so strange. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, cross-country because I know you mentioned, you know, you were diagnosed after high school, but mm -hmm. I imagine that you run, you know, just as either a leisure runner or just for your regular exercise, and you're obviously still very interested in it. Yeah. Um, what are your what are your long runs like? Because you're doing, you know, I had one of my really good friends in college was on the cross country and track team, and he would go for tw sometimes twenty mile runs at a time, um, yeah. and he was a freak. But you know, <laughs> at the same time, like preparing for those types of things, and you know, how do you treat? How do you make sure that you're gonna, you know, have a successful run both as an exercise and you know with your blood sugars and you know making sure you're not debilitated afterwards. Yeah, so I'm actually an assistant coach on my cross-country team right now, my high school team, because I'm um, pretty close to home and stuff, and um, I had a really good relationship with my coach, but I, uh, you know, I run with the kids all the time, too, and uh, one thing that really, I actually recently got an Apple Watch, which connects to my Dexcom, which is really nice, because I can kind of just, when I'm running, I'll look down and be like, oh, my blood sugar's still doing good. Um, one of the things I do is... There's a couple of things I try to do, and it kind of varies. If I'm going on a longer run, I will have my pump on, and I will do like a 
uh, temp basil of like maybe a 75% um, because it running will bring my blood sugar down fast and you know I don't want to crash or anything um, another thing I will do is I'll eat something like a granola bar or peanut butter crackers just to kind of get my blood sugar up because right before I'd want to run I'd probably want to be about one anywhere between 180 and 200 because it drops that far um, and then obviously I carry those uh, they're like called glucose gels or runner's gels I don't know what their the proper name for them is but um, if I ever feel low I will um, just kind of take a sip of those and it brings me up well and i think you know exercise is such a hot topic for for t1ds because a you know we're supposed to do it it's really great for insulin absorption um you know insulin sensitivity and you know maintaining a healthy lifestyle but there's so many challenges associated with it um you know in many different ways for example uh i don't do a whole lot of long runs so uh, i do a lot of like high intensity workouts so my blood sugar will spike during a workout but, mm-hmm. you know, over a longer period of time, like you said, setting a temp basil and making sure that, uh, you know, all your all your sugars are in line so you don't crash. Um, you know, what do you uh, what what was the biggest learning process for you when you're you're saying, OK, I like to do these types of workouts. I'm going to be training with um, with a team of high school athletes who are in great shape. How do I keep up? How do I make sure that I'm not going to, uh, you know, have any problems? And and even, you know, beyond problems, just like something that inconveniences a workout. There's nothing that frustrates me more than like crashing really low or high in the middle of a workout, having to stop, treat, and then get back on and then, you know, try to get back warmed up or loose to keep working out. All right, we're going to try something different here at about the midway point of this interview. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, but I just wanted to give another plug to Health IQ. Really, Health IQ is just like car insurance, but for life insurance. And let me explain. It's like if you're a safe driver, you get more competitive rates. That makes sense. Uh, Health IQ just takes into account an overall healthy lifestyle and passes those savings along. It's that simple. Plus, it's good for you. The American Heart Association reports that an overall healthy lifestyle is associated with nearly 60% lower risk of mortality by cardiovascular disease. That's always good news. So get the rewards for living that healthy lifestyle. Check out healthiq.com slash DDT today. And now we'll get back to the episode. Yeah, I think one thing would be... um you know, just making sure that blood sugar levels, like I would never go for a run if I was, my blood sugar was at 80 or I could look at my Dexcom and I see an arrow going down, I would never do a workout at that, like a run like that. I'd be like, well, you know, like a long run like that. I think, um, always, you know, when I used to run in high school, the only thing I would need is a watch and my shoes and that would be it. I think now, you know, I have to remember the gels and I have to, check my blood sugar you know used to used to be i could just get up and run but now you know there's a whole nother routine with it uh one of the guys on my website sean forrest he's um he's actually a long distance runner Uh, i think he runs professionally and he was one of the first guys i've talked to i talked to about running with diabetes he was such a big help for me he's like everyone's kind of different like long distance runners yes they drop but some people drop faster some you know it all you know it's kind of differently how your body reacts and stuff um and uh you know that was kind of a big adjustment for me and it was kind of like a trial and error type of thing if that makes sense you know i was you know maybe trying this temp basil and seeing how that would work or um 
you know, what should I eat before I run? And I finally, you know, this didn't raise my blood sugar enough before I ran. Let me try something else. And um, it was definitely a long time. I would say probably about six months of just trial in there and seeing what would work and what would not work. Well, and I think experimentation in, and I use that word carefully because, you know, you don't want to experiment with your health or with your body. And like, I, you know, obviously we're yeah. not, we're not doctors, but, and so you obviously need to be very careful and to consult your doctor if you ever have any real questions, but, mm-hmm. um, so much of experimentation and trial and error is just part of type one diabetes, right? It's just exactly. part, of, part of that journey where you like, ah, you know, my sliding scale is this, or my carb ratio is this, but you know, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to try it out. And yeah. that can be frustrating for people at times. Oh, yeah. Last summer was really frustrating to me because um, I, I I had the honeymoon phase before that. I don't know if you've heard of that. but Yeah, uh, of course. So I had the honeymoon phase pretty shortly after I was diagnosed. And then during the summer, it stopped, like, unfortunately. So it stopped. And then, you know, it was frustrating because I'd go to the doctor. She'd, and, of course, my doctor was going – she wanted to be cautious with it because you don't want to be giving me too much insulin because then I'll, you know – go could go really low so she was kind of being very cautious with it and i kept getting high numbers and i mean i was at her office every two weeks i think last summer just trying to adjust it and that's why i decided to not go back to eastern illinois i was at my community college because i wanted to stay close because it was just kind of crazy as far as adjusting and i think um i think you're right it's like trial and error almost like you don't want to use the word experimentation but that's kind of what it is Right. And I think, um, you know, I remember my honeymoon phase when it ended, I think it was probably my freshman year of college completely, because I remember mm. there was a there was a time where I, we we had like off campus lunch my senior year of high school. So I was like, you know, real cool. And we all went to Chili's one day. But yeah, I left my I normally kept my insulin in the, uh, the school office uh, during the day so I could keep it like in the refrigerator because, you know, back then I thought I had to be in the fridge all day. Um, so, and I didn't bring it with me to lunch and I was like, Oh no, like how am I going to get my, like, you know, do my food. So I was like, I'd never missed a meal before at that time, like, or or injected after a meal. So I was like freaking out anyway. Uh, I was in the middle of my honeymoon phase and I ate this like burger and meal. And then when I got back, I like tested my blood sugar. It was like totally normal. And I was like, what's is going on? I had no idea about the honeymoon phase. And so then I would, you know, that would happen occasionally. I'd never happened that extreme, but you know, I would feel those like, valleys or go low in the night because I, my body was making insulin and then i remember suddenly when it was over i was having a lot more highs and i was having to adjust a whole lot more so i had to you know increase some of my insulin and i kind of would like resented yeah. myself a little bit for it for a while it was... yeah yeah so um let's talk a little Sorry, bit about... no yeah no we got the connection now let me mark this here yeah we're good now okay good um so let's talk a little bit about your, you know, you mentioned that you didn't have a lot of awareness after you were diagnosed. Um, were there people close to you or in your life or in your area that had type one or that you sort of looked to for help or were able to kind of include you in a community? Uh, yeah. So there's a couple people actually. So, uh, the golf, pro, I like to golf too. And the golf pro at the golf course, my grandpa's belonged to for, God, I want to say 30 to 45 years. Yeah, I mean, he's been there forever. The pro there has been type 1 since he was 19, the same age I was diagnosed. 
and uh, he had been he's uh, had been through you know kind of when the pump got developed and stuff like that, and um, he uh, he had you know he started out in shots and he kind of has seen the evolution of diabetes care and I think I went into his office one day and he talked to me for two hours about um, you know how to take care of yourself you know he basically told me that. Uh, it's not, it really doesn't have to change you. It's just something you got to control. Um, and he kind of real, that was kind of like one of my moments where I was like, I can do this, you know? Um, he takes care of it. I didn't even know he was diabetic until he told me. Um, another person was my friend, Danny. He's on my website as well. He kind of helps me run it. And he was, um, I had known Danny since I was five years old and he, uh, we had played baseball together forever. And, um, he got diagnosed a year before I did, and he used to be a pretty big kid, and then he lost all the weight with diabetes, with uh, being diagnosed and everything, and he never got it back, and I remember he came over, and we just sat down and watched the game, and he told me about the pump, and told me about all this other stuff that, um, you know, you know how he takes care of himself, and even when I got the pump, that was such a big adjustment for me from shots, because I had just gotten used to shots and everything, and he really helped me with that as well, um, so he was really cool about it. So, yeah, definitely. Well, and, and I think, you know, where I'm kind of going with that is that, A, you know, those T1D connections and people who have that experience are so vital early on. And, like, just understanding that you're not alone in this. Um, yeah. And I know people who are diagnosed in situations where there's nobody really around and the only person they can talk to is their doctor. Um, especially early on, you know, you mentioned you were diagnosed in 2015. So, um, I was 10 years before that, before social media really kind of caught fire. Uh, so now there's a lot of resources mm. that you can reach out and connect but back then there wasn't. So a lot of people grew yeah. up feeling that they were alone. Um, and I wanted to know as you set out to start T1D like me, um, what mm -hmm. sort of inspired you to do that? And, um, you know, how did you you know, kind of come up with the, the idea and the process to connect other people with type one to each other. Yeah. So this will kind of segue into the whole Jay Cutler thing we'll talk about. Um, awesome. Cause I can't but, wait for uh, that. <laughs> so, uh, when I was in the hospital, there were a couple of things one time. Uh, so a nurse came down from another floor, actually, like she wasn't even working on my floor. And I think my nurse, Matt, he was really cool sent this other nurse down to me and she, you know, talked to me. She was diagnosed in college as well. And, you know, she was just a great help to me. And she was another person that helped me not feel alone. And uh, this, my dad always laughs at this story. So like I said, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a big fantasy football player. So of course, you know, I got diagnosed on Halloween in 2015. It's the height of fantasy football season. So I'm in the hospital and they're, you know, pricking me and everything. And I'm checking my fantasy lineup because I needed to win that week. And, um, you know, uh, I remember, you know, thinking to myself, like, you know, I wonder if any, you know, there's any athletes out there that uh, play with uh, type 1 diabetes. And I looked it up and, uh, you know, being a big Chicago sports fan, um, two names really stuck out to me. Uh, Jay Cutler, obviously. And what was cool to me about Jay Cutler was that he was diagnosed at the age of 26 while he was in the NFL. So that made me feel like. Well, I guess, uh, you know, you don't get it from being fat because if you're an NFL quarterback, you're in pretty good shape, I would think. Uh, and Ron Santo played for the Cubs for a while, and he's a Hall of Famer. And uh, I think 
and then I just remember like being in the hospital watching videos about Jay Cutler, uh, you know, what he does to the diabetic community off the field and stuff like that, how he plays with it. And he was, you know, I remember just watching the Bears on that Sunday because I got diagnosed on a Friday or a Saturday. No, I got diagnosed on a Saturday. That next day I'm watching Jay Cutler and I'm like, you know, that guy's playing in the NFL and he's diabetic. I can, you know, if he can do it, I can do anything. Um, and, uh, you know, I think just reading people's stories online and reading about Jay Cutler, reading about guys like Max Domi, Bobby Clark, um, Jordan Morris, stuff like that. I just wanted to, and then I was talking to my uncle and I told him kind of like what I wanted to do. Um, cause I, I definitely want to get, do something when I get older involved in that type one diabetic community. I kind of told him about, uh, guys like Nick Jonas who, you know, not only do stuff, you know, they do a lot of stuff off the field and it's really inspiring and it really helps me out. And he's like, well, why don't you make a blog or a, you know, website or something like that? And, you know, I'm really good with that stuff. I can help you out. And, um, I knew a couple people that I think w that I thought would like to contribute a story or, um, you know, that I think would be inspiring. And, uh, it just kind of took off from there. Um, and, uh, it's really like I think it really helps other people read these stories and be like, okay, you know what, I can do this, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I think you know the similar to what we do on this show, right? Just humanizing the stories and you know re yeah. relating to the people who you may not have met and may not be people like Jay Cutler who were have very unique stories where they're in the NFL and um, you know have these very public diagnoses and you know make it through with a lot of help seemingly without a whole lot of uh you know obstacles right and a lot of public uh you know he continued playing he didn't he didn't have uh, and i think that's really inspiring for from one end uh yeah. but on the other there's so many untold stories that are like people who struggled or where there was a misdiagnosis or yeah uh you know chased their dreams in in you know really hard adversity right mm -hmm. um yeah so I actually, I'm going to get this guy's story later once the season's over. He pitches for the White Sox, but he was Chris Bryant's roommate at, um, Chris Bryant, who's a Cubs player, he was Chris Bryant's roommate at uh, University of San Diego. And this guy, he was diagnosed, he got drafted in the first round of the draft, he was diagnosed, and so he, you know, stopped because I think the team that drafted him dropped his pay a little bit. So he stopped, went to college, he was roommates with Bryant, and Brian had said he, you know, that guy's one of his biggest inspirations just to see how far he's came from doing the insulin shots and struggling through all that stuff. And uh, that's another guy. And he's kind of made his ways around the papers locally. So I'm hoping he can get, uh, you know, more national attention. Yeah, because there's so many stories. I think of a guy, um, you know, it, it was interesting. Um that Denver sports at that time, you know, when, when Jay Cutler was diagnosed, there was another guy who was playing for the Nuggets. Um, I'm trying to think of his name right now. Gary but Forbes. Yeah, Gary Forbes. Sam He's on my website, yeah. Oh, is he? So he, he told a story for you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, t I, I've never spoken to him. I think we follow each other on Instagram, but we've never uh, exchanged stories. But I remember yeah. hearing his story and, and living in Colorado at the time, being like, oh, well, like there's another guy who – he doesn't get a lot of pub and is not, he's not extremely forward about, uh, his diabetes. I guess I'd never really seen a whole lot of articles. What, uh, what did he say about his diagnosis? Uh, let me look it up real quick. But he, uh, basically said, you know, he was diagnosed in college just like me, which was, which I thought was really inspiring. Um, 
knowing and he went on to play in the NBA too. Right. So he was at the University of Virginia and he got diagnosed, then he transferred to UMass and he made it I think he, he beat my Blue Devils in a tournament I think that year too, which was love hate, but uh <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, he went out there and played professional basketball and uh you know, I don't think he really um you know, I think he had the same thing I did like I'm a college. I'm a Division One college basketball player. How the hell did this happen? You know, um, so I think you know he's not as forward about it as some other guys. But it was really cool to read his story, and uh, I think he was the per- first like professional athlete of the four major sports I got on my website. So that was really cool. That's pretty awesome. He uh, yeah, he's a pretty giving dude, I imagine. So I'm glad to hear that he's out there and telling that story a little bit because I think a lot of people need to hear it. Um. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. Let's shift back to Jay Cutler for a minute because we're on the sports topic. Um, yeah. So the reason I am harsh on Jay Cutler, uh, this so back to my hot take. Uh, I recorded an interview with a uh, with a doctor from uh, the Denver area a couple weeks ago. Uh, so when that episode comes out, you'll hear the, my little sort of hot take on how Jay Cutler just you know could be doing so much more. I think using his platform for good instead of evil, which he seems hell bent on. Um, Jay Cutler is a he himself not a not my favorite sports quarterback personality. Um, yeah. So I sort of hate that he represents our our type one uh, brothers and sisters in the professional sports world. But big news this week, he's back in the NFL. So yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on him? I'd love to hear that as a Chicago sports fan and as a type one diabetic. Um, and uh, and and then we'll kind of go from there. So my take on Jay Cutler is before I got diagnosed, being a diehard Bears fan, I kind of hated him. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I wanted him gone. And I still think they should have traded him a long time ago. They shouldn't have given him that contract. I'm going to be honest. He's not that great of a quarterback. I don't think there's Bears fans that you would think the guy is like actually Satan. Like, you know. (laughs) Right. um, like Bears fans think he's the worst person to ever walk the face of the earth. He's the worst quarterback to ever walk the face of the earth, which I don't think is true. I think he's just average. Like he's not good. He's not great. He's just, eh, you know, whatever. Um, my take on him is, you know, I, uh, you know, he'll always have a special place for me because he was kind of the first athlete I read about to play with the disease. He was diagnosed shortly after me. And weirdly enough, and I found this the weirdest thing on my diversary this year. He had like a career game. I was like, okay, <laughs> this, this is weird. Like, um, and my friends were texting me like, man, you got to get diagnosed with diabetes more often. Cause if he played like this, we'd be fine. But, um, you know, uh, my take on it is he gets a, I think he gets a bad rap. You know, people call, there's bears fans that'll call him like, you know, he's not tough. I'm like, well, he gets sacked more than anyone else in the league because the Bears' offensive line was just atrocious. Um, you know, I think, he, you know, and even some diehard Chicago sports radio guys will go, you know, he plays with type 1 diabetes. He's a pretty tough dude. Like, you know, they'll give him the tough pass. They'll give him the tough pass. Stephen A. Smith won't, but that's a whole other story. Um, but, you know, I think his time with the Bears should end it a long time ago. Uh and as far as the personality thing, you know, I kind of get what you're saying where he's not really vocal. He's kind of quiet all the time and, you know, kind of always looks like he's pissed off. Um, as far as that, I think 
I might be just making an excuse for him. I just think that's his personality. I just don't think he's very – he's just not a social guy. And I do agree with you. He could be doing a lot more, but I think there is stuff that we don't hear about. Like I remember watching a video. He has a foundation, the Jay Cutler Foundation, where he will give, uh, you know, he will try to get diabetic supplies to young families and stuff. He has a camp in Tennessee where people, you know, like any other diabetic camp, they'll go around and kids can feel not, um, you know, like, you know, they're not alone and stuff. So I think he does... um, do stuff i just don't think you hear about it as much because and you definitely don't hear about it in chicago because he's you know <laughs> the number one enemy so so uh, i will uh, i will make this bold prediction here on the podcast uh in front of you mm-hmm. you are my witness and whoever listens to this episode if jay right. Cut- if jay cutler will come on this show or uh or talk about all the great work that he and his foundation uh and his camp are doing in the world for type 1 diabetes because i think that story needs to be told i will forgive mm-hmm. all of J- i will forgive jay cutler he will be number 1 in my book i will give him i will give him that distinction of nfl yeah. of, of athletes with type 1 diabetes he can unseat adam morrison at the top of my list um because ammo is num- my number 1 all time so uh, I will make that prediction for if if we can get Jay Cutler to come on and talk about all the great work he's doing and publicize that and tell that side of the story rather than the, yeah. St- the Stephen A. Smith side of the story, uh, <laughs> then we can uh, you know if that happens you know anything's possible. Yeah, and I yeah, will give you full never... and I will give you full credit for making that happen uh, when it happens. Yeah. Um, it's funny cause my friend Danny, the kid that I live right by and I played baseball with, he feels the same way about Jay Cutler. Like people will be bashing him and me, me and Danny will be like, like number two, number one and two Jay Cutler defenders of all time. And we and Danny will admit that he is, we don't defend his playing ability. Like, it's not like, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be better than Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. He's not like that's, you know, those guys are insane. As much as that hurts me to say Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. Because he's on the Packers, I, uh, but um, yeah, we will defend him, and uh, that's good. Um, but Adam Morrison's your favorite T1D athlete? Yeah, he's my guy. Cause uh, he was at Gonzaga when I uh, when I got diagnosed, and so I was like, you know, all in. And I, you know, was, was a basketball player and you know, played in college and a little bit later in the pros, and. <laughs> He so I was always like you know what if I if Adam Morrison can do it like I'm all for it I'm all in because he you know, when I when you search for type one diabetic athletes back then he was like the number one result like back in 2005 2006 so yeah. he's a huge ammo fan and then I got to meet him uh, last summer uh, I have some really good friends in Spokane uh, who are big Gonzaga alums and uh, I got to go up there last summer for Spokane Hoop Fest and that's where he lives and I got to meet him and he's a uh, he actually agreed to come on the show we haven't we haven't done the interview yet because he uh, is like the most media sketchy person of all time but um, he did agree I, to it I'll hold him to him I think he make, I think he makes Jay because what I've seen him about media like when you say that I think he makes Jay look like a media personality like, right he is he's like the he hates the me like doing interviews and things so. Uh, it's just yeah. not, not his style. I think he'd much rather just like be out on his land, like playing golf. <laughs> yeah. Um, another big athlete that um, I don't know if you've heard of him, Jordan Morris. He's a soccer player. Yeah, yeah. He just scored that goal the other day in the uh, in the Team USA game. 
So the funny thing was, is I, you know, I was watching the Gold Cup because I, you know, I, you know, it's really inspiring to watch him even, you know, yeah. play for the United States soccer team, national team. And I, I was watching this game down in my, I was watching this game downstairs. Everyone's asleep. It's like 1030 at night. 89th minute, Jordan Morris scores the game-winning goal, and I just scream, Jordan! And I wake up my whole house. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I uh, I was super hyped because I have a bunch of friends who are diehard, like, soccer fans too. So yeah. it was, like, a nice mix of seeing, like, the T1D community celebrating and uh, you know just my, like, friends who had no idea that Jordan Morris has type 1 diabetes. They just love Jordan Morris. Yeah, because he's a good – I mean, he's a really good player too. Yeah. He was college player of the year, I think. I think it would be really – I'm really hope. I'm crossing my fingers he makes the World Cup team next year because I think he seems like the guy that will, you know, he's very open about his diagnosis. He's very open about his Agreed. disease and stuff. And I think if he makes the World Cup team, you can kind of get a national national media attention on it. Yeah, I think that would be huge, huge yeah. for the T1D community. And, you know, for, for kids out there especially who are, you know, trying to chase their dreams and be athletes or be whatever they want to be, I think that would be a, a, an awesome story. Yeah, I think it would too. Um, yeah. Well, Jake, I want to, I want to make sure that we, uh, that I get this question sort of before we, uh, before we wrap up, um, I ask it on all my episodes. So, um, if you, and and I got to set the context. So if you're in an airport, you can't miss your flight. Like you've got to be on it and they're about to shut the doors in 30 seconds. So you've got 30 seconds to say whatever it is. And you run into someone who is either struggling with or been recently diagnosed with type one. What's the one thing you say to them? What's the one thing you leave them with? One thing I say to them, um, you know, uh, you're not alone. I think that's the big thing I would say to them is you're not alone. Uh, there's tons of people that are going through what you're going through. It's, um, you're not alone. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything to deserve this. Uh, you'll, you'll get through it and, um, just, you know, enjoy the little things i guess you know because that's one thing i really found out after i got diagnosed is like you know i you know after i got diagnosed kind of eye-opening like i started enjoying the little things more um but you know if you're struggling newly diagnosed you'll get through it um take care of yourself it's it like ron told me it's not something that defines you it just you just have to control it it's you can deal you can do it so there is actually a funny story that goes along with it. My dad was in Denver, I think, a couple weeks ago, and he met, um, he saw a mom with, like, and he, he knew it because um, her bag had all these diabetic supplies basically overflowing out of it. And my dad's like, well, I knew the son, I knew the kid was newly diagnosed because that's how we were, right, when you got diagnosed. <laughs> so he talked to her, showed her my website, and, um, you know, I, uh, been emailing her back and forth and the kid's a hockey player. And one of the guys have been talking to about coming on my website. He's actually on that bike beyond team with beyond type one. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, he talked to him and talked to the kid on the phone and actually when they were going through Denver, he got to meet the family and stuff like that. And, uh, they're really, uh, it was just really cool for me that I kind of got to connect them and, um, I was really glad they got to meet because I think the kid was kind of struggling, like, how am I going to be able to play hockey and all that stuff. So it was really cool. Yeah, man, it's it's amazing how just finding the right person to connect with makes the biggest difference. Um, exactly. 
yeah, I'm really grateful to have those people. And I think more than ever now, like to look up to that, there is someone like you out there with type one and, um, and we're all in this together and you can do it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, Jake, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks uh, for reaching out, you know, a few months ago and getting me on uh, T1D Like Me. Um, check out T1DLikeMe.com. And uh, I think you said the same thing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Tumblr, the whole the whole spectrum. Yeah. You can follow us at T1D Like Me, and our, the website's actually T1DLike.me. Like.me. So. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but again, yeah, you, uh, you're making a huge difference out there. Um, and you know, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the heart that you have to give back to people. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, proud to, uh, to have you in the T1D family, man. Yeah. Same to you, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Well, happy to do it. Um, and if there's anything I can do uh, for you, please feel free to let me know.